What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. I just went to my happy place. I just went to Maui, and it was truly amazing. Priceline has always been about getting you to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else, like up to 60% off select hotels in Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to the final four stop for the schedule here by Ryan Camp. And Michigan State finally uh, loses in the Big Ten tournament 70 to 75 Rod, this one uh, was close until about maybe the halfway through, halfway through the first half, uh, and then Purdue started to pull away a little bit. Um, winds up seven points uh, up at halftime, and just can't really pull it together. What happened? Well, I, I, I don't know. I, I think it was a lot more than that. <laughs> yeah. I'm not. I'm not. Um, I'm not unhappy with this result, with the possible exception of what happened to Tyson Walker, which, which we can get into. Um, but, you know, I said, I believe I said yesterday in the aftermath of the Wisconsin win, that to me the thing that mattered most was Michigan State sustaining what they did against Wisconsin. And what I mean by that is defense, effort, energy, those things. Mm-hmm. And that they could do those things and still potentially lose to Purdue. So I wasn't, you know, as hung up on got to win as those other things. And I think by and large, we got that. Good. I think what you, I think what you, what you look at in this game, particularly in the first half, but, but not entirely that or really a lot of it maintained for the, the bulk of the game, Michigan state to me looked like a team um, missing jumpers because they were their legs weren't there. Mm. Third game in three days. When you miss short consistently, it's usually a sign of that. And I saw a lot of Michigan State missing short. Now, they hit some late to kind of keep the game respectable. Um, but uh, I think that was a large part of the loss was that. And then obviously Purdue – has Jaden Ivey, mm-hmm. which was a huge factor. Uh, but but in terms of what I saw from Michigan State, I, I, that was a game where I felt it was mostly positive. Mm-hmm. Um, just, again, despite the fact that they lose, um, I thought Purdue had to play well. Now I can and to beat them, but Michigan State really competed um, after that abysmal first half, where they only scored twenty points, a season low. They scored 50 in the second, which has got to be one of their better scoring halves of the year. So, weird game in that respect. But, uh, you know, again, for the most part, a good effort and and a really, really, really good game. Probably his best of the year out of A.J. Hogarth. Mm-hmm. Given the circumstances, so- he had to play almost the whole game. Uh, he, he led MSU in scoring. He had 10 assists, zero turnovers. Two steals, <laughs> ten assists only. That might be a yeah. high for him. It's got to be up there. I don't know if he's hit double digits in any other game this year, but you know, again, some of that was fueled by the fact that he had to play the minutes. He played thirty-four minutes. Mm-hmm. But uh, regardless, 
I thought A.J. Hogard played himself a great game, and and he led them, I thought, in terms of showing that fight, mm-hmm. that tenacity. And it's a shame they weren't able to be rewarded with a win for it because I think they, the way they played, they, they did not deserve to lose. Let's put it that way. Um, they just got beat by a team that's a little better than they are. Yeah. Um, so but, how concerned are we about this Tyson Walker well, very, because he didn't play. Mm-hmm. And Izzo came, Izzo came off in the post game and said that uh, you know it's not broken or anything, but they don't they don't know. Um, they don't know how long, and you know they think it could be a while. Who knows what that means? Mm-hmm. I think you look at it, and the positive signs are it wasn't in a boot. But then again, I don't know what the situation is like for that in terms of uh, playing in the Big Ten tournament. I would think that the capability to do those types of things is there uh-huh. at a facility like that, but I don't know that for sure. I don't know if it's any different than it is at a Big Ten game or even at another school another uh, school in the conference, you know, playing on the road. I don't know. Hmm. Um, he was moving around. The problem was that, you know, they reinserted him briefly, like one or two possessions. And after he initially got hurt, so he did come back, and then they took him out right away. And I suspected at the moment it happened, and sure enough, it was confirmed later that he couldn't move laterally. There was a play where I think he was trying to guard. It was either Hunter or Thompson, one of their smaller guards, and he tried to move laterally with him, and he ended up getting called for a foul. Uh-huh. But you saw him immediately turn to the bench, and they got him out of there. So it's lateral movement that was the issue. Um, if they if they don't have him, that's a big big deal. But big but here, we are going into NCAA tournament time, and the reason I think that's significant is, depending upon the draw, it is quite possible, and we've seen it many many times over the years, that Michigan State will be facing a team that has not seen their transition game, mm-hmm. anything like it. And that is A.J. Hogarth's strength. Yeah. So they are they are in a slightly better position for this than if you were asking them to withstand a couple weeks without Walker in the middle of Big Ten play. Mm-hmm. That would be my takeaway. But I think it's way too early to conclude anything about anything in regard to Walker. Okay. I, I just the only thing the only thing you could say is he wasn't able to come back in the second half. So obviously it was serious enough that they're treating it seriously. Mm-hmm. Beyond that, nobody knows. So I, well, I suspect we'll start to find more out, you know, as we get into next week, as we get into Monday, Tuesday, we'll, we'll know more. But I'm certainly not ready to declare that he can't play, mm-hmm. but we don't know if he can. And, and then again, as as we saw with um, Johnny Davis last night, even if he can play, you don't know. I, I would imagine at a minimum we're talking about him missing practice time. So you don't know what that might do to his sharpness, you know? Yeah. If he, even if he can play, but he hasn't been able to practice much, what does that do? Who knows? A lot of unknowns. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, we, I mean, we do have some time, so that's the one positive, I suppose. Right. <laughs> at, a, at a minimum, they've got till Thursday. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the thing. From he, I, I don't think he would have played tomorrow even if MSU would have won, but... Um, 
you know, yeah. I'm guessing at that, but I'm, I'm making that assumption. Okay. Um, but yeah, they've got several days, and and hopefully that's enough. If it's like a grade one sprain, from what I understand, you know, that's possible with therapy and and um, treatment that that maybe they can get them back mm-hmm. um, and able to play. All right, so Gabe Brown, um, 31 minutes, 16 points, four rebounds and assists, three for six from three, hit a free throw, only one turnover. You know, not a bad game. I mean, he hit a couple shots late to kind of get his point total inflated, Uh but but I thought he played okay. I mean, he was was once again tasked with guarding uh, Sasha Stefanovic, and Stefanovic only went two for five he hit a couple threes two for five all the shots were threes and and Gabe had a lot to do with that so I think Gabe played pretty well defensively in this mm-hmm. one and again the 16 points you know three for six from three um not not bad uh and then Christie nine points six rebounds two assists uh three for ten from the floor two for six for three three turnovers well, three- three turnovers it was not a it was not an easy day for max christie uh he had a very difficult defensive assignment uh for the second game in a row you know he saw a lot of um of uh ivy Jaden ivy not exclusively hogard saw him a lot too mm-hmm. but you know purdue will test you in that way and i i thought i thought this was a game that <laughs> if i had to to identify the single biggest difference between Max Christie and of guys like Ivy and Davis and even Keegan Murray, who's a little taller, but still those three guys are all sophomores and all hugely impactful players this year. Then none of them play exactly like each other, but I think the biggest difference right now is strength. Hmm. And it shows up in games like this. You know, Jaden Ivey, people marvel at his burst athletically, and rightly so, because it's incredibly impressive. But <laughs> he's strong, and that's a big part of his success. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a play in the first half where there was kind of a, a loose ball situation where there were a couple Michigan State guys sort of sandwiching Ivy, and he got between them just like he was shot out of a cannon got to the ball and then ended up scoring at the other end what made that play yeah it was athletic burst but it was also strength you see it show up at times with max not all the time but enough where it's clear to me uh, if he was just a little bit stronger you would see more success here he'd be much better finishing for Mm -hmm. example around the rim he really struggles in that area um rebounding at times, even though he had six, uh, at times he struggles in traffic, you know, to secure rebounds because he's maybe just not strong enough. And he made real progress from his high school period to, to now. He made real progress over the last several months since he's been at Michigan State. Mm-hmm. But there's another level I think he's got to get to, and I think that will be a difference maker, and it's why, assuming he's able to do that, I would put him – depending upon whether Branham elects to go pro from Ohio State, I would say, other than Branham, he would be my number one candidate in the Big Ten for a guy to take a quantum leap 
the way that these three guys that everybody's talked about have taken mm-hmm. from their freshman to their sophomore years. Max, and I don't know that he'll quite get to the level those guys were at, but he'd be my pick to be that kind of guy, relatively speaking, next year, assuming he makes progress in terms of strength. I think strength and also tiredness. He was a, a prime example of a guy who looked like he didn't quite have his legs underneath him. Mm-hmm. A lot of those missed shots were short. Now, he hit a couple late, again, to, to make the, the stat line look better. But for a lot of that game, Max was really struggling shooting the ball. Yeah. Really struggling. Uh, and then Bingham, 23 minutes, 9.6 rebounds, 4 for 11 from the floor. He hit a three, three blocks, a steal. You know, I, it, obviously it wasn't the numbers that he put up against Wisconsin, but I, I liked the way Markey played. I, I really did. I thought he battled. Um, I thought he competed in there. He had his moments where he got the better of them. They, of course, had their moments with those two centers they're going to where they got the better of him. But I, I thought he really – he showed out well today. I'm not down on his performance, even though, you know, the shooting numbers aren't great. He didn't have quite the same level of statistical impact that he had against Wisconsin. I think it was still a pretty good day for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Joey, 21 minutes, uh, no points, four rebounds and assist. Um, yeah, t- tough, tough day for him. Never really managed to get on track. And again, he was another one of these guys. Now, his shots didn't look short to me. He just had some tough luck. Uh-huh. Had good looks. They didn't hit. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he competed. I just think at times, you know, he had problems with um, the uh, – the Gillis kid, who's who's a tough cover, mm-hmm. um, Gillis hit a couple threes on him. Um, you know, I was we uh, we'll get to it in a little more detail later, but I, I didn't think Joey was consistently great on the time and the occasions that Michigan State opted to double, which was more than I thought we'd see. And I'll, I'll get to that in a minute mm-hmm. um, in more detail. But uh, you know it. The effort level was not lacking. I just think, again, it just wasn't his day. Yeah. All right, you get to pass on this one. Uh, and Malik Hall, 22 minutes, 9 points, 2 rebounds, 2 assists, uh, 4 for 5 from the floor, <coughs> 3 steals. The disappointing thing about Malik is the disappointing thing that we've had to say a few times this year. Mm-hmm which is why didn't he get engaged earlier? And I don't know what the answer is to that with him. I really don't. Um, It's not the starting coming off the bench thing, because when they inserted him in the starting lineup, he wasn't playing well. Mm -hmm. Uh, He had moments in this game. He had a spin move, which was, again, I've, I've said it a few times this year, pro move, absolutely a pro move. And, and he had a stretch in the second half. He might have done all his scoring in the second half where he was really tough for them to deal with. Mm. Um, but just not – you needed just a little bit more from him, especially early on, and they didn't get it. Yeah. Uh, and then Akins, four points, three rebounds, two for four from the floor. Uh, it, it's the same story with Jaden Akins. I mean, you love his compete level his energy. Uh, he had a tough assignment, man. It, it's one thing guarding um, Davis. Davis is a really tough cover, too. But I mm-hmm. think in terms of the athletic package 
there's no tougher cover than Jaden Ivey. <laughs> yeah. You saw a difference. I mean, mm-hmm. you, there is a difference between those guys. You know, Jaden Ivey doesn't have the stats that that Davis does, but it's because he plays on a team that doesn't need him to do that, mm-hmm. and and runs the you know runs a lot of other stuff, runs the ball through the post a lot more. You know, they just do a lot more. But put Jaden Ivey on Wisconsin, and I'm betting he'd put up similar numbers or maybe even better. And and Jaden I or Jaden Akins guarded very very well today, but sometimes it doesn't matter mm-hmm. against that guy. So I, I liked the way Jaden played. I thought offensively he was confident. You know, hit a couple shots. Um, I liked I liked this game. No change. Okay. Uh, and then Marble nine minutes four points two rebounds two for five from the floor. Yeah. Um, foul play foul. obviously he yeah. fouled out one of two msu players who fouled out and then Bingham had four so they had a lot of foul trouble inside again not a huge surprise playing that team but um julius you know he's been so automatic that every time you see him take a shot you expect it to fall mm-hmm. and he missed a couple he missed a, a right-handed jump hook and then he missed like a 18-foot jumper that he just hasn't been missing those shots lately. So that stuff came in the first half when the offense was just struggling to hit anything. Mm. Um, but it was just hard for him. He only played nine minutes. It was hard for him to get anything going because of foul trouble, really. Yeah. Uh, and then Madi uh, had five minutes, had the one dunk. Um, what did you see out of him today? I thought he played well. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> They they tempted fate there. They went with a lineup with Madi and AJ uh-huh. on the floor together down the stretch of the first half to close it. And I I said recently I think it might have been the Maryland game. <laughs> yeah, I think it was that's last game. Not, that's not a lineup I want to see together. Mm-hmm. But they really didn't have a choice today, right? Because of foul trouble, they needed Madi to to play that turn. And they didn't have another option at the point at that stage. Mm-hmm. So they had to go with it. And they actually shaved four points off the lead. So made me look bad in the process. But I thought <laughs> Monty had a he had a, a really good defensive play in that stretch. Yeah. As you say, he got the one bucket, uh, had a rebound. So I like I thought he was I thought he was energetic, which he normally is, but it's it's all, too often it's unfocused energy i would say mm-hmm. it's just kind of chaotic yeah <laughs> yeah chaotic that's a better word and and you just don't know what you you know whether it's going to be positive or negative but today it was all positive it was channeled mm-hmm. properly so that was yeah that was good to see uh and then pierre gets in there for two minutes yeah i didn't, didn't have a chance to do anything mm-hmm. um but i, I want to go back because we we need to talk about it again about aj hogarth yeah, um, 17 30, points, 4 rebounds, yeah. 10 assists, 8 for 17, um, 2 steals. Yeah, and and 0 turnovers. 0 turnovers, yeah. Um, that was just a, a great, great effort. And it's, I would say that was the, the, the best performance from him this year because, in my view, it was the one where he was most under control. You know, AJ's mm-hmm. been very successful this year at times we know passing ahead in transition or certainly driving to the rim and scoring, which he did some of today. 
But I don't think I've ever seen him be that patient the way he was in the second half, where he would he would get himself into the lane, get a defender on his back. You know, like there's a kid at Penn State, Pickett, is really, if you've wired on many of our listeners have seen him play much, he's really, really good at that. Getting into, getting into the lane and getting a defender on his back and just kind of patiently waiting for the opportunity either to take a shot or to hit someone at the rim. Um, and A.J. did a lot of that today. I just thought he was really, really poised. It was it, it, what was interesting is he walked the line between being very poised and under control, and yet still being aggressive. Mm-hmm. And that's a hard thing for guys to do. And he's he's failed walking that line a lot this year. You know, there yeah. have been a lot of times where he tries to do too much. Right? Um, that didn't happen today. I thought I thought he was really, really good in terms of his judgment. And, and playing the game at a pace that was comfortable for him and allowed him to be productive. So I, I was yeah, I was really, really impressed with his game and, and you know, to show to show that in this kind of game, I think it does suggest that there's further room for growth with him mm-hmm. and that he even has probably leadership potential which I would not have said those things a year ago this time. No way. Mm-hmm. But he has certainly blown way past what I thought was going to be possible for him here. And at this point, you know, I, I said this the other day, I think, the, the challenge for him for next year is going to be, and you saw it today, you know, 0 for 2 from 3. He missed some other jumpers. Can he add... A rely- he hasn't become a great shooter, but can he add a reliable jumper? Mm-hmm. Because if he that- can do that, then we're really talking. Because if teams have to, and, and as I've said, I've been surprised that teams have respected him as much as they have on the perimeter. But if he can prove to be at least a consistent threat, then everybody will have to do that. And that's going to make his game getting to the basket that much more effective which we mm-hmm. know is where he really does damage um and it and it helps michigan state because this michigan state team at least you know we know they don't have a lot of reliable low post play you know you get something from marble sometimes hall will occasionally chip in Bainham might get you one or two post buckets a game but it's not consistent production so when you don't have that you need to get those points in the paint other ways. Last year's team, Aaron Henry gave them that mm-hmm. late. They got a lot better in that area, and that's why they started winning. This team, they really need Hogard to do that, and and he's got that element in his game. That's the great thing about his size, you know, that he's like six three, six four, and he's strong. Mm-hmm. That's you know, he was, I, and I was thinking about this today. I hate making the comparison, but I, I will. Um, his game today reminded me, a lot, and at different points of the season, but especially today, it really reminded me when Michigan had a kid, it probably gets forgotten because um, he emerged uh, before, just before Trey Burke. They had a guy named Darius Morris, if you remember him, mm. who played point guard for two years there. And his first year, he was terrible, just awful. And even the first half of his second season was awful. That was that was the year Michigan State went through the doldrums in 10-11, mm-hmm. where they had 
Kalen and Darrell and all those guys, but it would just, it never clicked and, and they struggled. Um, Michigan got their season on track by coming into the Breslin and winning. And Morris was the guy that put the team on his back down the stretch. And he did it in somewhat of a similar fashion. He was like Hogard. He was a little bigger point guard. He wasn't a great shooter, but he had a knack for getting to the rim and finishing using his size and playing under control and making others better at the same time. And it sparked that team. And in, in fact, led him to make the decision to go pro, which left the path open for Trey Burke to take over and they were better off. Mm-hmm. But, but in the meantime, Morris had a really good sophomore season and Hogard to me has that potential. What I'd like to see, as I've said, is develop that jumper. So he's even broader in terms of the impact he can make. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people might think that there's only so much you can do with a jump shot, but, um, you know, if you look at Cleves or, or Walton, they got to the point where, you know, they were, they were decent shooters. You know, oh, I don't. Anybody who says that is is an idiot. Mm-hmm. That shooting. Look, there are certain things that I think are really hard to improve. I actually think a handle. By the time when you're talking guys, that are, by the time they've gotten to college, a yeah. handle is hard to improve. Guys who don't have a great handle, it's pretty rare that they're able to go up a level or two. Uh-huh. Um, I think certain other things can be instinctual, like we've talked about a lot this year, reaction time. Mm-hmm. You know, that stuff, hard to improve that. Shooting, oh, absolutely shooting can be improved. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that everybody automatically improves as a shooter. But I can cite... I go on and on and on with examples of guys. The classic one, the, the biggest one by far, was Eric Snow. Oh, by yeah. Far. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, By far. Eric Snow was the worst shooting guard I've ever seen at Michigan State early in his career. And they got him to the point that he was respectable, and that made the difference for him between being a guy who you know was a nice college contributor and having a long NBA career because he was just good enough that he was playable in that phase of the game. And that allowed his athleticism, his defense, all of those things to, to impact games and turn him into a long-term pro. Yeah. So it absolutely can be done. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't see anything in Hogard that look, I'm not saying AJ Hogard can't ever, this is why I've seen some people compare him to Denzel Valentine and that I, I don't get. I don't think it's a good comparison because I don't think he can ever be no. the shooter Denzel was. But could he get to be maybe a, a mid-30s guy? Yeah, I believe that's within the realm of possibility. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got to put in a lot of work. But, you know, look, this year has been a situation where he's proven that he belongs. Yeah, He's proven that he can play, that he can be at times – a very effective point guard. I think he's proven he can defend at this level, certainly as an on-ball defender. Maybe it's a little more questionable off-ball, but on-ball, great Mm. at times and good generally. Um, Great transition player, Um, you know, creative player, as we've said, a a force getting to the rim and and finishing. Mm -hmm. lot to like. Yeah, and he can rebound a little bit too. Absolutely. Well, yeah. again, the size and yeah, absolutely. 
Uh, defensive versatility because of his size is there too. But if he can add a respectable shot, doesn't need to be great, just respectable, there's another level for him to get to. I mean, I, I expect he's going to get better anyway. Uh. But if that phase of his game can improve, man, then you might have something. Okay. Well, um, the first key defending the arc. Um, yeah, eight for twenty-four, thirty-three percent for Purdue. Yeah, and and that number obviously is good from a percentage basis, right? Thirty-three mm-hmm. percent for a team that shoots almost forty. Yeah. You'd say, okay, that's decent job, well done. But I don't think it was good enough, and the reason I don't think it was good enough is that number of attempts. You know, that game at Breslin, they were one for nine. And the 24 in this game was not a result, in my view, of Purdue just heaving up contested shots. They weren't taking bad shots. They had a lot of good looks. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we, we talked about whether MSU would play them straight up or not. And they did at times. They certainly were not as consistent with the doubling as they were against Wisconsin. But I think particularly in the second half, they went to it more often. And at times it worked, but I think there was one sequence in the game where it was essentially lost, or you can say Purdue won it. When Michigan State got it to one on a Hogard basket with about, I think it was about five minutes to play, Mm -hmm. there were, I believe it was two consecutive possessions where Purdue got the ball in the post to Trevion Williams and Michigan State brought doubles and Williams beat them with passes to Eric Hunter and Eric Hunter nailed two threes and all of a sudden in a sequence probably about 40 seconds or so you go from down one to down seven and that was it. Mm-hmm. That was the ball game. And I, I, I didn't like the decision to do that, to double him. I think if you want to double Edie, that's maybe a different story mm-hmm. because he's not he's not nearly the passer that Williams is and you know maybe you can harass him into something but against Trevion Williams you can't double that guy you can't do it <laughs> he's too good a passer and he and he's got too many good shooters around him to to really do that and think you're going to get away with it and Michigan State ultimately did mm. so I was I was disappointed to see that, a little surprised, but you know, obviously Izzo has made a decision here late in the season that I think he needs he feels he needs to do at least some of that because he doesn't have enough faith in his low post players to, to play straight up against good post scorers and, and hold them down. And I can understand that. When Joey Brunk torches you for forty five or whatever the hell he had and and Dickinson <laughs> kills you, I, I get it. You, you have to, it's rational to, to look at it and say, and, and it's been all year like that, in Big Ten play at least. They've just been tortured by low post players. I mean, Harrer had big games against them. Mm-hmm. Um, Eric Curry had career games against them from Minnesota. Uh, I mean, we, we were, we're not talking about had the Walker kid for Nebraska yeah. hurt them. I mean, it was up and down the conference, right? Not just the elite guys. Coburn, um, so I get that you're you're looking at, okay, we need a different solution here. But I, that matchup, that guy, I don't think you can do it. Mm-hmm. So 
I was a little disappointed in that. And so even though the percentage says they didn't do a bad job, I, I didn't love it. Mm. Uh, and defensive rebounding. Well, look, this was tough. They did a really good job in the game um, in East Lansing. In this one, yeah, they got hammered. Purdue had 15 offensive rebounds on 32 oh. misses, a 46.8% offensive rebounding rate, which is massive. Yeah. So, yeah, they they had problems, that's fair to say. Now, I would say on the other side, Michigan State did a better job offensive rebounding itself than I would have expected. Um 30.7, so about a 31% rate, which mm-hmm. is not horrible because Purdue's a very good defensive rebounding team. But uh, Purdue clearly, that that was a major factor in this game. There's, there's no two ways about it. That said, um, well, let me look at the numbers here. Yeah, here's second chance points went 22 to 9 in Purdue's favor. Oof. Now, I, I'm, I'm going to say this. Uh, unlike most games this year where this kind of thing happened, I did not think this was because Michigan State was not energetic, not fighting, not tough enough. Th- this was a game where they were playing a team that unfortunately has some big guys, and sometimes there's just nothing you can do. Mm-hmm. Um, with, with MSU's personnel, I mean, if they had, you know, if they had Antonio Smith and Andre Hudson out there, okay, that's a different story. But they don't. So knowing who they have and keeping that in mind, um, you know, Edie had five offensive rebounds. Williams had three. So those two guys had eight just by themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Gillis chipped in with three. So 11 offensive rebounds from the two guys who share the five spot and the starting four. Yeah. That's a lot. That's a whole lot. And, you know, sometimes that's just with, with those guys, you know, Edie had a few where I just don't think there was anything you could do. Mm-hmm. He's just, he's seven foot four and he can high point the ball before you ever have a chance to get to it. You know, when he's out there being guarded by Julius Marble, sometimes if the ball bounces the right way, that's what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Julius Marble has physically, literally has no chance. And and so, you know, unfortunately, I think that was part of the story here. That's why I, I don't think, you know, what part of what gives me some positive feelings about their performance is I think Purdue played, played pretty damn well. Mm-hmm. They may feel like, well, we didn't have our offensive game really cooking, but Michigan State had a ton to do with that. Mm-hmm. And you know the rebounding numbers show you there, and the way yeah, the way Ivy was playing, like their effort level was off the charts. I mean, they were competing the way you that looked like the way you expect a traditional Michigan State Purdue game to look, mm-hmm. just like a, the, the game the night before looked like you expect a Michigan State Wisconsin game to look. And that's a positive step for me because for too much of the season, the Michigan State part of those equations was not there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was there in this tournament, and it was there today. They just, again, they were playing a team that 
has some elements that are just hard to beat if they're playing that in that engaged fashion, and they were. Yeah. So yeah, it was it was a rough rough day on the defensive boards, no doubt about that. Yeah, and pretty. But I don't feel as bad. Eighth in the not. country, you know. I mean, it's not like <laughs> they're they're yeah. definitely a good team. Sure. Uh, so the pick and roll, we talked about Walker uh, wanting Walker to be aggressive. How did yeah. Hogard? handle it well hogard did, hogard did okay in it they did get some things out of it they they ran they ran some lob stuff to bingham um they did get some stuff done out of that but but where i was what i was thinking was and and you heard grant hill mention it um what you want to do ideally against a purdue team that plays he referred to it as flat all screen coverage which means the big man stays back mm-hmm He's not out hedging ultra, ultra high. Um, he's instead kind of sh- shacking it, as there's another term for it, mm-hmm. where the big man just kind of goes under and just stays in the lane so he's not vulnerable to getting blown by. When a team plays you that way, you need a, a ball handler, a guy with the ball in his hands who can punish them by hitting shots, by hitting jumpers. And that's where Tyson Walker really would have a chance to do damage, but he played three minutes in this game. Mm-hmm. So we never really got a chance to see it. Um, and that's unfortunate. I, I, AJ played a great game, but that is not what I was talking about. There is not AJ's game. It's not in his wheelhouse. Not now. Now, again, if he can make progress as a, as a jump shooter, maybe not even that he becomes a much, much better three point shooter, but even if he could become more reliable with say 15 to 18 footers, just inside the line, that would make a big difference because then you can play that way and still have him be effective if teams are going to play off him, mm-hmm. you know, but with, with what they had to work with in this game, it just wasn't there. And that's why, you know, the Walker, just besides the minutes that, that Hogarth had to play, the Walker injury did hurt Michigan state a lot because they just didn't have that element anymore. Yeah. You know, he's the only guy they've got that's capable of doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, Make threes. Well, twenty eight percent. Yeah, they 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 got it. They, they didn't shoot well, regardless. Seven for twenty five is is not good. I would also say that they hit a couple late to make that number look better than it was. For most of the day, the three point shot was not there for Michigan State. And and again, I, I mentioned it earlier. I think a lot of them were short, which tells me third game in three days, there were some problems for some guys with, with legs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Max Christie played a lot of minutes in this tournament. Um, and he in particular, I thought, and he hit oh, one or two, at least one. Um, he hit two late, but uh, well, one late, and another one in the second half. But mm-hmm. um, I thought he really, it really showed up for him and, you know, for other guys too, Joey Hauser. You know, they just didn't. They didn't have guys really looking like they were shooting the ball the way we we normally expect them to. Give Purdue some credit, but I I think more of it was just a sign of Michigan State just maybe not having enough gas in the tank in that area. Mm-hmm. And again, that's also in addition to the fact. And give Purdue some credit for this. Purdue takes so much out of you when you're on the defensive end, yeah, you've got to guard them. The, the physicality you have to play with, 
the how locked in you have to be to prevent guys from getting open looks that that taxes you and i think that probably had something to do with it as well mm-hmm. so that was disappointing you know michigan state i think um lost the three-point battle which they won decisively in breslin mm-hmm. and you know they didn't lose it by a lot they took one more shot they made one fewer so it wasn't like a huge discrepancy but it was enough yep um i do want to say though once again for the second game in a row michigan state won the turnover battle this time yeah. they only had nine so they played a pretty clean game but Michigan State only committed four turnovers. That might be a season low. It I, that's got to be. Low. They, they set the season low against Wisconsin with seven. Mm-hmm. So back-to-back, they now, again, neither of these teams are ball-hawking teams. They don't put you under as much pressure as others will. But we also know that hasn't been the real problem MSU's faced for the mm-hmm. bulk of this season, Maryland notwithstanding. Um, MSU's problem has not been dealing with high octane pressure. It's been making self-inflicted mistakes. And the last two days, very, very, very few. Mm-hmm. That's if, if you want the probably the underlying stat that tells you why they were able to stay in this game. Um, I would argue that that turnover number was part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, for sure. Um, another stat worth looking at, which I think, again, tells you a large part of the story here, is Michigan State only six free throw attempts. They were three for six. Yeah. Purdue, 17 for 25. And I think, I don't think this was a poorly officiated game. They, were, they blew some calls. I mean, there's no doubt there were a couple of instances. There was one where Hunter had a transition basket off a steal where he went out of bounds and then came back in to touch it as a first touch. That's automatically, that's a turnover. They didn't call it. They let him, they let him score. Um, but by and large, I actually, I don't have a problem with Purdue's attempts per se, because I thought they were very aggressive. Mm-hmm. Um, I think maybe Michigan State probably deserved a few more than six. <laughs> but but that's a big I mean, seventeen to three at the free throw line, hey, that's mm-hmm. you know, that's a big deal. And and it's interesting that again, despite it, it, this goes to show you that sometimes field goal attempts is a deceiving stat. Michigan State have what do they have? Twelve more shots at the basket? Yeah. Twelve more shots from the floor, but a lot of that is mitigated by the free throw line there. Mm-hmm. because again Purdue had an edge on the offensive boards and while they were there was a negative margin for them in turnovers it, it wasn't massive it was five you know nine to four so um Purdue had there certainly had more chances to score than Michigan State did when you add it all up mm-hmm. but I, I do think the free throw line was a big factor as well okay well you know, we won't cry over spilt milk here. They get tomorrow off. Um, and we'll, we'll probably do a Selection Sunday uh, yeah. uh, thing. That'll be fun. <laughs> That's the, I think, my favorite. I think it's like Christmas. We'll, right. I think, and, and this year, of course, even better than last year. Last year, it was nice just to have the tournament back in any form. But yeah. without fans in the stands. I mean, you just look at the difference. 
in this Big Ten tournament. Not that it's been the craziest crowd. Mm. I was actually very surprised that this game was as subdued, it seemed to me, mm-hmm. with the crowd as it was. I expected it to be a more raucous environment for Purdue. It might have been that Indiana fans had something to do with that, but, <laughs> which I had forgotten. I would not calculated that when thinking about it yesterday, but um, that might have had something to do with it. But Oh, because uh, they all but, left out after Indiana? Well, that or, or were rooting against Purdue. Oh, so oh okay. Purdue just didn't have, <laughs> as much of the, didn't have as much of the room okay. uh, as I might have assumed. But I, I, I do think that uh, it's going to be great to have fans back in the stands and yeah. sites. And it's going to be different again. It'll be back to normal. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what we'll do is uh, we'll, yeah, we'll do a quick take on MSU's position tomorrow yeah. and the field and just kind of some general thoughts about that stuff. And then as we get into the week, uh, do a more thorough preview of whomever Michigan State's opponent is you know I just to kind of touch on it for a minute I do think it's going to be interesting uh there was a lot of and you just never know how this stuff goes and it's my feeling that in recent years like the last the last six or seven years for sure it's it's felt to me like Michigan State has come out on the negative end of where expectations were for their seating more Mm -hmm. often than not uh, so I certainly don't want to get too cocky about this. I think, based on what I could see, I would like to think that winning yesterday's game did enough to get them to the seven line. Mm-hmm. Um, they were eight in a lot of places heading into this tournament. But I think winning two games, one of them over a team that has a shot at least at being a top three seed in Wisconsin and definitely a top four, uh, that's a – you know, that probably is enough. I don't think, when I thought about it, I don't even think winning this thing would have been enough to get them to a six. Mm. Uh, so I kind of felt like seven was the upside, the realistic upside. If they had lost against Maryland, we might have been talking about them as a nine or maybe even a ten. There's no way they could have gone as low as, let's say, the playing game. Mm-hmm. But um, they could have they could have gotten hurt here, and they didn't do that. But I just don't to to feel ultra confident about not being on that eight line. I can't get there just because I, I feel like Michigan State, for whatever reason, has been on the short end of some very dubious calls in recent years. Last year, for example, mm-hmm. they shouldn't have been in the playing game. They, by by rights, I don't. Nobody expected that. Yeah, that was a that surprise. was a surprise. Yeah, um, there have been years where. You look at the uh, the 2019 team. I didn't end up hurting them, but they get a two seed, which wasn't unexpected, but they got placed with Duke, who was the overall number one. That was a surprise. That wasn't expected to happen. Mm-hmm. It felt like they got the shaft there. Um, there have been a few of those. The Again, you can say because they lost their first-round game, you can say, well, they didn't deserve that. But Denzel team, I think, got a three. If I no, I thought correctly. they were a two, maybe. Were they a two? I thought maybe okay. I thought they, they should have been a one. I think, and they, and they wound up being a two and they got were, beat. That that's probably it then. They were in the mix for a one seed because they had been, even though we talked about this recently, even though they didn't win the Big Ten regular season title, Indiana won it largely due to schedule. 
Mm-hmm. And that was generally known. I don't think anybody thought that Michigan State wasn't the best team in the league. And then they went out won the Big Ten tournament to confirm it. And I think that that was right. There was the there was a, a strong feeling that they were looking at a one seed. They didn't get it. Um, so yeah. there have been a few of these instances over the years where I've been really surprised by where negatively by where Michigan State's ended up. So I, you know, if they pull an eight out of the hat tomorrow, it's not going to floor me. I think they did enough to get out of that that scenario, but we'll see. Mm. Okay, well, we'll leave it here, and um, I guess we'll see you tomorrow after the um, uh, selection Sunday. So then, the final four is
for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.